Have you ever stumbled upon a mystery so intriguing that it keeps you awake at night, puzzling over its intricate details? It's the peculiar tale of Tom Coleman, a man who lived an ordinary life until the day he was found dead in his car, parked in a Kingston, New York parking lot. The year was 2011 and the date was November 29th. The day started like any other, but by the time the sun had risen, it had transformed into one that would forever change the lives of those who knew Tom. Tom was a 44-year-old man, fit, healthy, with no known enemies or reasons to fear for his life. He was a loving father, a dedicated husband, and a respected physical therapist. His life was the very picture of normalcy. But on that fateful November morning, normalcy was disrupted as Tom was found lifeless in his car, a sight that left those who knew him in disbelief and shock. The police were immediately baffled. There were no signs of struggle, no visible injuries, no apparent cause of death. The car was locked from the inside and there was no evidence of a break-in or any foul play. The mystery deepened as the initial inquiries yielded more questions than answers. Why was Tom in his car so early in the morning? Why was he in that particular parking lot? And the most baffling question of all, what could have led to the death of this seemingly healthy man? The authorities were left scratching their heads and the community was left in a state of shock and confusion. It was as if Tom had simply gone to sleep and never woken up, a puzzle that seemed to defy logic and explanation. As we delve into this case, we'll attempt to untangle the web of mystery surrounding Tom's death. We'll explore the unusual circumstances, the intriguing evidence, and the surprising revelations that came to light as the investigation unfolded. What could have led to the death of this seemingly healthy man, found lifeless in his car one chilly morning? The answer to this question is far from simple, and the journey to uncover the truth is a tale as intriguing as it is tragic. To understand a mystery, we must first understand the characters involved. And in this tale of intrigue and tragedy, we have three central figures. First, we have Tom Coleman, a doting father, a loving husband, and an adored member of his community. Tom was known for his easy smile and the kindness that seemed to radiate from him. His life was seemingly picture perfect, with a loving wife and a stable job. Then there's Linda, his wife. Linda was a devoted mother and a loyal partner. She was the rock of the family, the one who kept things running smoothly at home while also managing a successful career of her own. Linda and Tom's relationship was the epitome of a loving marriage. And finally, we have Gilberto Nunez, a close friend of the Coleman family. Gilberto, affectionately known as Gil, was a charismatic figure. He was a successful dentist, charming, outgoing, and fiercely loyal to his friends. His friendship with Tom was deep and seemingly unshakable. They were often seen at the local pub, sharing stories and laughter over a pint. It seemed like a perfect trio of friendship and mutual respect. Gilberto was not just a friend to Tom, but also a confidant to Linda. Their bond appeared to be of a deep and uncomplicated friendship. But beneath the surface of these relationships, there were currents of tension and unease. There were secrets, unspoken thoughts, and hidden emotions. It was a perfect storm that was slowly brewing, unnoticed by the outside world. And this storm, when it finally broke, of devastation and unanswered questions in its wake, in its wake, a storm that would lead to the death of Tom Coleman and change the lives of Linda and Gilberto forever. But as we all know, appearances can be deceiving. The human body, even in death, can reveal more secrets than you might imagine. So let's delve into the autopsy report of Tom Coleman. The report, in its cold clinical language, provided a startling revelation. It was the presence of a powerful sedative in Tom's system that raised more than a few eyebrows. 
This wasn't a typical substance that one might stumble upon. It was a drug called midazolam, usually administered in hospitals for procedures that require sedation. This was a game changer. Until this point, the circumstances surrounding Tom's death had been enigmatic, to say the least. A seemingly healthy man found lifeless in his car, with no apparent cause. But the discovery of midazolam turned the case from a bewildering mystery into a potential homicide investigation. The presence of this sedative implied intent. This wasn't a case of accidental overdose or self-administration gone wrong. Midazolam is not a drug readily available to the average person. It's a controlled substance used primarily by medical professionals. The sheer amount found in Tom's system indicated that it was no accident. Someone had administered this drug to Tom, and it seemed likely that it had been with the intention to harm, if not to kill. But here's the kicker. Midazolam, when administered correctly, doesn't typically cause death. It's used to sedate, not to kill. So what happened here? Did something go wrong? Or was the overdose intentional? The autopsy report couldn't answer these questions. It could only provide the facts. And the fact was, Tom Coleman had died with a large dose of a powerful sedative in his system, a sedative that shouldn't have been there, that he had no known reason to have taken. It was this revelation that turned the case on its head, that transformed it from a perplexing mystery into a chilling investigation of potential homicide. But who could have administered this deadly dose and why? In every investigation, the smallest clue can become the key to unlocking the truth. And in the case of Tom Coleman's untimely demise, this was no exception. As investigators delved deeper into the mystery surrounding Tom's sudden death, they came across a piece of evidence that raised more than an eyebrow. It was a series of deleted text messages between Gilberto Nunez, a close friend of Tom's, and Tom himself. The discovery of these messages, like ghostly whispers from the past, marked a significant shift in the investigation. The content of these text messages was innocuous enough, but the fact that they had been deleted raised suspicion. What was it about these exchanges that someone felt the need to erase? This question became the driving force behind the investigation, pushing the team to dig deeper into Gilberto's relationship with Tom. Gilberto, a trusted friend and confidant, was suddenly cast in a new light. His every move, every interaction with Tom was now under scrutiny. His actions, once considered innocent, were now seen through a lens of suspicion. The man who was once a friend was now a potential suspect. The discovery of the text messages led the investigators down a path they hadn't anticipated. It was no longer just a case of an unexplained death. It had evolved into something much darker. A shadow had been cast over the friendship of Gilberto and Tom, turning the case into a complex web of deceit, suspicion, and hidden motives. The investigators were faced with a daunting task, to connect the dots between these deleted text messages and Tom's death. Every word, every interaction, was now a possible clue in solving this mystery. As the investigation pressed on, the veil of friendship began to lift, revealing a much more complex relationship between Tom and Gilberto. The deleted text messages were just the beginning, the first step into the labyrinth of this case. Could this trusted friend be a potential killer? The question hung in the air like a thick fog, casting a shadow over the investigation and leaving everyone involved with a chilling sense of unease. Love and jealousy, two powerful emotions that can drive a person to the unthinkable. As we delve deeper into this tangled web of intrigue, a glaring detail surfaces, an alleged love triangle involving our key players, Tom, Linda, and Gilberto. This unusual romantic dynamic has the potential to shed light on the possible motivation behind Tom's murder. Let's start with Gilberto. 
a seemingly unassuming character who, as it turns out, had more than friendly feelings for Linda Tom's wife. His admiration for Linda was well known among their circle, though it was always played down as harmless affection. However, as we peel back the layers of this complex relationship, we begin to see a different picture. Gilberto's feelings for Linda were not just a simple crush or fleeting infatuation. They ran deeper, turning into an obsession that could have potentially led him down a sinister path. Gilberto, in his twisted state of mind, may have seen Tom as the only obstacle standing between him and his object of desire. This is where the love triangle takes a dark turn. Gilberto's obsession with Linda, coupled with his resentment for Tom, paints a chilling picture. Could it be that jealousy, the green-eyed monster, had taken a hold of Gilberto, pushing him to eliminate his competition? And what about Linda? How did she fit into this love triangle? Was she an innocent bystander caught in the crossfire, unaware of the dangerous game being played out behind her back? Or was she a willing participant, a puppet master controlling the strings of the two men in her life? This twisted triangle of love, obsession, and jealousy could potentially explain a lot about the circumstances surrounding Tom's untimely demise. It could provide a motive, a reason behind the senseless act of violence that ended Tom's life. Could a twisted love story be the driving force behind this tragedy? Only time and further investigation will tell. A courtroom where facts meet interpretation and the truth is sought. In the trial of Gilberto Nunez, the prosecution and defense locked horns in a battle of wits and strategies, each side presenting their narratives with surgical precision. The prosecution painted a picture of a man driven by jealousy and obsession, who would stop at nothing to win the heart of his paramour, even if it meant eliminating the competition. The defense, on the other hand, portrayed Nunez as a deeply misunderstood figure, a man caught in an unfortunate set of circumstances, wrongfully accused due to a concoction of hearsay and circumstantial evidence. The prosecution's case hinged on two key points. Firstly, they focused on the alleged motive, arguing that Nunez's unrequited love for Linda Coleman was the catalyst for the crime. They also emphasized the forensic evidence, pointing to the presence of midazolam, a powerful sedative, in Tom Coleman's system. The defense challenged these points, questioning the integrity of the forensic evidence and suggesting that Tom Coleman's death could have been a result of natural causes, given his existing health conditions. They painted Nunez as a friend, not a foe, who cared about the Colemans deeply. The trial took an unexpected turn when the prosecution introduced what was referred to as forbidden evidence. This was information about Nunez's alleged fraudulent activities unrelated to the crime which the defense claimed was a calculated move to sway the jury's perception of Nunez's character. Despite the defense's objections, the judge allowed the evidence, adding another layer of complexity to an already convoluted trial. The air in the courtroom grew thick with tension, the stakes were high, and the line between guilt and innocence seemed blurred than ever. But would the jury be convinced of Gilberto's guilt? As the trial drew to a close, this question hung heavily in the air, leaving everyone in anticipation of what would unfold next. The moment of truth, where justice is either served or denied. In the case of Tom Coleman's untimely death, the verdict was a complex one. Gilberto Nunez, the man at the center of the storm, was acquitted of the murder charge. This decision sent ripples through the courtroom, the community, and beyond. Acquittal on the murder charge, the most serious allegation, came as a shock to many who had been following the case closely. Now, Gilberto wasn't entirely off the hook. While he was found not guilty of murder, 
he was convicted on other charges. The jury found him guilty of two counts of forgery and one count of falsifying business records. These charges were linked to a false CIA identification card that Gilberto had made and used in the past. The public reaction to this verdict was, as expected, mixed. Some believed the jury had made the right decision, while others were convinced that Gilberto had gotten away with murder. The buzz of chatter, the heated debates, the whirlwind of opinions. It was the talk of the town, the state, and even the nation. But what about the Coleman family? How did they react to the verdict? For them, it was a difficult pill to swallow. They had lost a loved one, a husband, a father, a son, a brother. They had hoped for justice, for closure. But the verdict left them with more questions than answers. They felt that justice had not been entirely served, that closure had not been fully achieved. One can only imagine the emotions running through the hearts and minds of the Coleman family. The loss, the grief, the disappointment. It's a heavy burden to bear. They had to grapple with the reality that the man they believed was responsible for Tom's death was not held accountable for it in the way they had expected. But does this verdict truly bring closure to this tragic story? The answer is complex and deeply personal. For some, perhaps it does. For others, especially the Coleman family, it's likely that the wounds of loss and the quest for justice remain open. In the aftermath of a trial, there are often more questions than answers. The dust has settled on the trial of the century, the courtroom has emptied, yet the questions linger in the air like an unsolved mystery. The case of Tom Coleman, with its twists and turns, left us with a labyrinth of unanswered queries and doubts. With the verdict delivered and the gavel struck, we are left to ponder the aftermath. The trial may be over, but the echoes of the testimony still resonate, the puzzle pieces of evidence still scattered, waiting to be assembled into a coherent picture. The complex nature of the case, a tangle of emotions, motives, and actions, remains a conundrum. We are left to grapple with the human intricacies that underpin this tragic event. How can we make sense of the tangled web of relationships that led to such a devastating outcome? What drives a person to commit such an act? The answers to these questions are as elusive as the truth itself. The case of Tom Coleman has etched itself into our collective consciousness, a chilling testament to the depths of human complexity. It forces us to confront the uncomfortable reality that the line between love and obsession, between friend and foe, can blur in the most unsettling of ways. One cannot help but reflect on the many elements that remain unresolved. The unanswered questions, the lingering doubts, they cast long shadows over the case, adding to its enigmatic allure. The truth, it seems, is often more complex and elusive than we'd like to believe. As we ruminate on this tragic tale, we are reminded of the profound impact such events have on the lives of those involved. The ripple effects of this case continue to reverberate long after the trial has ended. In the end, the case of Tom Coleman serves as a chilling reminder of the depths of human complexity and the elusive nature of truth. Like family man was found dead in his car in upstate New York. Police were stunned to find an unusual drug in his body. More surprising, his best friend, a prominent dentist, is the prime suspect. 48 Hours correspondent Richard Schlesinger has the only interview with the dentist charged with the murder. Thomas Coleman was dead in a vehicle in a parking lot of a fitness plaza. Was your first thought homicide? No, absolutely not. 
but Ulster New York police detectives were still puzzled by what they saw. 44-year-old Tom Coleman had parked his car on the far side of the parking lot at the gym where he was headed. Wasn't parking a building. That's the strange thing. If you're going to go work out in the morning, you're going to park close to the building. The detectives got surveillance footage which showed something else unusual. When Coleman arrived early that morning... This is uh, Tom Coleman's car pulling in right there. And it's 4.54 a.m. He pulled up to another car. And although the footage is very grainy, they thought that car was a white SUV. We started thinking of the circle of people close to Tom Coleman. And the only person with a white SUV was uh, Gilberto Nunes. It's emotional for you. Of course, very emotional. Because Tom was my best friend, truly. Nunez may have been Tom's best friend, but he volunteered to the police that he was having an affair with Tom's wife. Me and we, we had a, we had a lady that... This was a guy who was sitting with detectives saying, oh, by the way, I had an affair with the wife of the dead guy. Well, he's still in love with her, too. He, right. he wanted to make that clear. So that seems to me, anyway, to be to be unusual. Am I wrong here? Yeah, this is very unusual. And there was something else unusual found in the autopsy. A sedative, midazolam, was detected in Tom's body. It's a drug sometimes used by those in the dental profession. Mr. Nunes, that was, his profession was a, a dentist. I never used midazolam. Chief Gerald Chargell, head of Gilberto Nunez's legal team, says the autopsy was hardly definitive. It may have been uh, a heart attack. This is a murder case without a murder. I'm innocent. I haven't done anything wrong. Richard Schlesinger is here. Richard, good morning. Good morning. Is there any reason, though, the victim would have this drug in his system? Well, that's one of the great mysteries of this case. It's used in uh, dental procedures, but there was no record of him having any procedures recently. The other interesting thing is there wasn't very much in his body. So the, the defense was saying it wouldn't have been enough to kill him. Um, it's sort of for the jury to sort out what it all meant. I can't imagine any circumstances wanting to murder your best friend. But when it was unveiled in that piece that it, he was boinking the wife, everybody in the studio went, whoa! Some people could say that sounds like a motorcade. Well, you know, that's what we thought, too, until you, 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 you sort of peel back the layers. You find out they really were pretty close. I mean, they were texting each other back and forth. They were all very friendly. And he said, believe it or not, that uh, Mr. Coleman was knew about the affair and was okay with it. That's what he says. I don't know. Is anybody ever okay with an affair? I'll go first. No. <laughs> no, they're not. I don't, oh, what do you know? Yeah, not much. I don't have that exciting life. So what do I? Good to have you here. And you can watch Brittle Gray. Full report. Death and, and the dentist in a new episode of 48 Hours. That's tomorrow night at 10, 9 central. And it includes an exclusive interview with the dentist. It's oh. part of a 48 Hours double feature that starts at 9, 8 central. Look at 48 Hours with the exclusive and double feature. Like we work hard. We work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Go team Z. A new love makes the world seem a little brighter. But when that love is forbidden... A family would wonder if other secrets might be hidden. Tom Coleman had been found dead in his car. There was no evidence of a heart attack, aneurysm, or any health-related event. If there's a death that is not a natural death, you look at the closest people first. Time for investigators to start looking at Tom's inner circle. 
picking apart his simple suburban life. And the results would turn this tragedy into a tangled mystery. Hey, Dateline fans. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on the button down there and click on any of the videos over here to watch digital exclusives and original content from the creators of Dateline. Thomas Coleman was dead in a vehicle in a parking lot of a fitness plaza. Was your first thought homicide? No, absolutely not. But Ulster, New York police detectives were still puzzled by what they saw. 44-year-old Tom Coleman had parked his car on the far side of the parking lot at the gym where he was headed. Wasn't parking your building. That's the strange thing. If you're going to go work out in the morning, you're going to park close to the building. The detectives got surveillance footage, which showed something else unusual. When Coleman arrived early that morning... This is uh, Tom Coleman's car falling in right there. He pulled up to another car. And although the footage is very grainy, they thought that car was a white SUV. We started thinking of the circle of people close to Tom Coleman, and the only person with a white SUV was uh, Gilberto Nunes. It's emotional for you. Of course. Very emotional. Because Tom was my best friend, truly. Nunez may have been Tom's best friend, but he volunteered to the police that he was having an affair with Tom's wife. And there was something else unusual found in the autopsy. A sedative, midazolam, was detected in Tom's body. It's a drug sometimes used by those in the dental profession. Mr. Nunez was a dentist. I never used midazolam. I'm innocent. I haven't done anything wrong. Richard Fletcher joins us now. What a story. Yeah. Is there any reason Tom Coleman would have that drug in his system? Well, that was the question for the jury. There wasn't any real reason for him to have it in, the, in his system. I mean, it's usually used in dental procedures, but there was no record that Ian had the visit to the dentist recently. Um, it, it was in a small enough amount that it didn't wouldn't normally cause death. So that became a real issue for the jury to figure out what, what that all meant. And it looked like a lot of was around about the car, the car. So was there any proof that it was Coleman's car that pulled up to Nunez? That is still, no. There, there was no definitive proof. There, there was a guy, the, sort of the star witness for the prosecution was a guy who studies, of all things, headlight spread pattern. Mm -hmm. There's actually a field of study for this. It's fascinating. Um, is it junk science or real science? Another thing for the jury to decide. Looking forward to saying this. Thank Richard, you. thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us. And you can watch Richard Schlesinger's story, Death and the Dentist, on 48 Hours tomorrow night right here on CBS2 at 10 o'clock.